Welcome to our weekly podcast. If you're joining us for the first time, we're in week five of a message series called Get Used to Different. This series is all about learning from Jesus to live like Jesus. It's a series about discipleship. In the first two weeks, we spent some time talking about the mission, motive, and methods of Jesus. So what was his purpose? Why did he do what he did? And how did he accomplish the work God the Father gave him? We said that the Great Commission is what helps us understand the mission of Jesus. And the Great Commission is found in Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 through 20. It says that Jesus came and told his disciples, I've been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I've given you. And be sure of this, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. These were some of Jesus' last words to his disciples. And we said that the Great Commission is great, not because of anything that we do or because of who we are, but because of Jesus. It summarizes Jesus' life. It has to do with the gospel. That's why it's great. Here in Matthew 28, Jesus was inviting his disciples and all Christians throughout all time to do for the rest of their lives what he had done in his. The Great Commission is an everyday commission or mission that should summarize our lives as we learn from Jesus to live like Jesus. Now, while the Great Commission helps us understand the mission of Jesus, the Great Commandment is what helps us understand the motive behind the mission. And the Great Commandment is found in Matthew chapter 22, verses 37 through 40. And this is what we read. Jesus replied, You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. A second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. The entire law and all the demands of the prophets are based on these two commandments. Loving God and loving people is what fueled Jesus' mission to make disciples. And love should be the fuel or the motive behind our mission as well. It's the why behind the what. Love is the greatest Christian motive. Without love, our efforts would be in vain. The mission of Jesus was to make disciples, and his motive was love. Throughout the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, we learn that Jesus was intentional about developing his disciples into the men and women God created them to be. And we've referred to this process as the methods of Jesus. During his three-year ministry, Jesus extended four challenges to his disciples that would help them grow in their faith. These challenges were, come and see follow me, fish for people, and go and bear fruit. During the second half of this series, we've been focusing in on each one of these challenges because they help us understand where we're at in our own walk with Christ and how we can take the next step. The first challenge to come and see is an invitation to simply show up. It's an invitation to learn about Jesus and to ask questions. This challenge was given to those who were curious about Jesus but had not yet made a decision to believe in him. The second challenge, to follow me, is an invitation to believe. Anytime someone responds to this challenge, they move from curiosity to commitment. They move from unbelief to belief. When someone responds to this challenge, God's word says they become a brand new person. 
Uh, Jack Sauls talked about this a little bit in his message last week. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17 says, This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. Friends, that's an amazing promise. When a person believes in Jesus and is baptized into Christ, their life and their eternity is forever changed. They have a new helper, the Holy Spirit, who leads them. They have a new guide, which is God's word that helps them grow. They have a brand new attitude, an attitude of prayer and worship that reminds them about their status as a child of God. They have a new mission, obedience to God's word and his will. They have a new outlook on life. I mean, they have hope, faith, joy, and peace that's only found in Jesus. And they have all new relationships. They have the body of Christ, which is their spiritual family. When a person believes in Jesus, the old life is gone and a new life has begun. Well, today we're going to focus in on the third challenge that Jesus gave, the challenge to fish for people. I've entitled today's message, Kingdom Workers. I think this title will make a lot of sense as we learn more about this challenge. About 18 months into his ministry, Jesus extended this third challenge to four of his disciples. And we read about this challenge in Matthew chapter 4, as well as Mark chapter 1. These are two passages that parallel one another. They tell the exact same story. So we're going to read from Mark chapter 1, verses 16 through 20. And this is what we read. One day, as Jesus was walking along the shore of the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew throwing a net into the water, for they fished for a living. Jesus called out to them, Come, follow me, and I will show you how to fish for people. So that's that third challenge. And then verse 18 continues, And they left their nets at once and followed him. A little farther up the shore, Jesus saw Zebedee's sons, James and John, in a boat repairing their nets. He called them at once, and they also followed him, leaving their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men. Jesus was challenging these four men, Simon, Andrew, James, and John, to take the next step in their faith. I think the best term that we could use to describe what Jesus was calling them to do is the term kingdom workers. You see, they believed in Jesus. They, they had a new identity in Christ But they were now being challenged to be kingdom workers for God. They were being challenged to leave behind what was comfortable in order to serve God by serving others. If you want a working definition for what a kingdom worker is, I think it's pretty simple. Being a kingdom worker is taking the step to engage in the work of the ministry. It's engaging in the work of the ministry. After these four men responded to this challenge, and they did so by dropping their nets and following Jesus, They started to learn about what it means to fish for people. Jesus spent the next several months giving them a front row seat to his ministry, teaching them how to do what he did. And their focus would slowly shift from self to others. They learned how to engage in ministry right alongside Jesus, learning from him to live like him. Now, when we talk about being a kingdom worker, I think it's tempting for us to think about this challenge in terms of just being busy. Maybe you hear the term kingdom worker and you think about someone serving in three or four ministries in the church or someone participating in a different Bible study every night of the week. Friends, Bible studies are great. We need that. Uh, Serving in a couple of ministries is awesome. But I don't think busyness is what Jesus had in mind when he extended this third challenge to fish for people. It's not a challenge to be busy. 
Remember, Jesus' message was always the same. Repent of your sins and turn to God, for the kingdom of heaven is near. And Jesus was moved with compassion as he looked upon the crowds of people who were lost and spiritually dead in their sin. First Timothy chapter 1, verse 15, the Apostle Paul tells us that Jesus came into the world to save sinners. That's why he came. He was challenging his disciples to play a role in God's mission, to learn how to fish for people, to learn how to engage the lost and bring people to Jesus. Matthew chapter 9, verses 36 through 38 says, When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them, because they were confused and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. That's the world that we live in. When someone doesn't know Jesus, the Bible says they're confused, they're helpless, they're like sheep without a shepherd. And we were all once that way. He continues, he said to his disciples, The harvest is great, but the workers are few. So pray to the Lord who is in charge of the harvest. Ask him to send more workers into his fields. It's interesting to me that Jesus challenged his disciples to pray that God would send more workers out into the fields. Because in the very next verse, you jump to Matthew chapter 10. Jesus called his 12 disciples together and then he sent them out. I think maybe there's a lesson to be learned from this passage. And the lesson is this. If God puts something on your heart, maybe a person who needs Jesus, so a friend, a family member, a coworker, maybe you recognize there's a ministry in the church that could use your help. They need your specific gifting. Or there's a project that needs done. And you feel led to pray about it. Friend, you might be the very person God is wanting to send. We should absolutely pray for more workers But you and I are the kingdom workers that God wants to send. Don't be surprised if you pray about something and then realize that you're the answer to your prayer. If you're a Christian, at some point, if it hasn't happened already, God will challenge you to begin taking the next step in your faith by learning how to fish for people. When Jesus extended this challenge to Simon, Andrew, James, and John, They weren't perfect disciples. In fact, you could make the case that they were pretty immature in their faith. They had a lot of room for growth. But God chose to use them anyway. He chose to use them anyway. He developed them along the way as they gained more experience and as he taught them how to be laser-focused on this new challenge of fishing for people. Several years ago, My wife and I, along with a few other adult volunteers, had the privilege of taking a group of students to CIY, which is the Christ in Youth Conference. Now, we went to this conference just about every summer, but this year it was in Branson, Missouri. Our youth group was growing in a number of ways. We were growing numerically and spiritually. More students were showing up to youth group each week. Several students had made a decision to believe in Jesus and to be baptized into Christ. And a handful of students were serving in the church. God was doing something incredible in the life of the youth ministry that year. When we went to CIY that summer, our students had the opportunity to worship with over a thousand other students from different youth groups across the country. They heard messages from some really great speakers. And they heard several testimonies from other students who were their age who were actively engaged in ministry back at their home church. Now there's one testimony that I remember to this day, not just because of the effect that it had on my life, but because of the effect that it had on the lives of our students. During one of the evening sessions, uh, two teenage girls boldly stood in front of over a thousand other students to share part of their story. They'd recognized a need in their church, and they felt led to pray about it. 
They were praying for more workers, just like Jesus challenged his disciples to do. The need had to do with some of the older members in the church. You see, for several years, the older members of the church, the ones who could no longer gather on Sunday because of age, illness, or because they were living in a nursing home, um, they had gone overlooked by others in the church. Now, I don't think this was intentional. This just happens sometimes. These two girls, they recognized that this group was being forgotten about. So they prayed that God would do something about it. They shared this with their parents. They shared it with their youth pastor and with some of the other students. And the response they received was all pretty much the same. This was the response. It sounds like you have a heart and a real passion for this group of people. Maybe God is wanting to use you to be the answer to your prayer. These two girls were challenged to come up with a way in which the church could minister to the older members who were now on the fringes. After praying and brainstorming about how they could meet the need, they decided to start a brand new ministry in the church. They decided to use their own money to buy Build-A-Bear stuffed animals and then hand deliver them along with an encouraging note to the older members of the church who could no longer gather with the rest of the church on Sunday mornings. This ministry started a movement in their church and reminded people that God can use anyone regardless of age or stage in life. Now, our students heard this, and they got so fired up, they immediately started talking about how they could reach more people back home. We ended up having students join the youth worship team. Several students went on mission trips to Haiti, and they were excited about bringing their friends to youth group on Wednesday night. They were being challenged to fish for people, even though we didn't use that terminology. They were being challenged to be kingdom workers when the disciples said yes to Jesus' challenge to fish for people. They had no idea what that even meant. They were still very immature in their faith, and they had a lot of room for growth. But Jesus walked alongside them, developing them into the group who would carry forward his mission. I think from their example, we learn that being a kingdom worker is simply engaging in the work of the ministry. Let me say that again. Being a kingdom worker is engaging in the work of the ministry. It's being willing to drop your nets, step out of the boat, and follow Jesus. When I think about the disciples responding to this third challenge and the testimony of these two girls at CIY, there's some obvious characteristics that they all had that enabled them to leave behind what was comfortable so they could learn how to fish for people. Learning from their example can encourage us and remind us that God can begin using us right where we're at. So a big question for today What does God require of us if we're going to respond to this challenge? How can we be successful at being kingdom workers? The answer to this question might surprise you. If you're taking notes today, we'll call the answer to this question, characteristics of kingdom workers. I'm going to give you five very short points that'll be the take home for today. Number one, kingdom workers are available. That's an important characteristic of all kingdom workers. They're available. You see, the disciples gave Jesus access to their lives. And when he challenged them to take the next step, they were willing to respond. Regardless of what was going on in their lives, they decided to make themselves available. They were willing to go. So are you and I available? When God puts something on our heart, when there's an opportunity to serve, are we available? That's a defining characteristic of all kingdom workers. Number two, kingdom workers are teachable. They're teachable. I can't count on one hand the number of times the disciples were doing something one way 
And then Jesus encouraged them to do it another. Whether it had to do with their relationships with each other, how they treated people out on the streets, how they fished for fish, yeah, even their own trade, Jesus told them to do it differently, or how they shared Jesus' message with others. You see, they were willing to learn the lessons that Jesus wanted to teach them. The saying, you can't teach an old dog new tricks, I think that meant nothing to them moving forward. You see, they decided to not be stuck in their old ways and to be teachable. And this should be a defining characteristic of all kingdom workers. Are we teachable? Number three, kingdom workers are faithful. They're faithful. Um, Although their work wasn't always without grumbling, it wasn't without complaining or confusion. I mean, they were human after all, just like us. The disciples were obedient to what Jesus told them to do. In Luke chapter 16, verse 10, Jesus said, If you are faithful in little things, you will be faithful in large ones. But if you're dishonest in little things, you won't be honest with greater responsibilities. Now, Jesus was teaching a parable about financial stewardship. But we need to understand that ministry is stewardship as well. Regardless of what God is calling you to do this season, whether it seems big or small in your eyes, being faithful to God's leading is key. Being faithful to serve with your whole heart is key. If it's serving in the nursery, if it's teaching a kid's class on Sunday morning, maybe it's cleaning the building, singing on the worship team, or anything else that you're involved in, friends, do it faithfully. The Apostle Paul wrote these words in Colossians 3.23. He said, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord. We're not working for men. (laughs) We're working for God. So whatever area you're serving in, is this verse true about your life? You see, faithfulness is foundational if we're going to accomplish the good works that God has prepared in advance for us to do. Number four, kingdom workers are enthusiastic. They're enthusiastic. Whether it's learning something new, serving in a new ministry, or doing the same thing for God that you've done for years. Enthusiasm, excitement is so important. Friends, your attitude is contagious. Let me say that again. Your attitude is contagious. If you're enthusiastic, if you're excited and genuinely grateful for the opportunity to serve, that attitude will spread like wildfire. If you show up defeated, which is never the reality of the Christian, if you show up having a bad attitude and complaining, others are going to catch that as well. Having the opportunity to serve God in whatever capacity he's called you to serve, friends, that's a cause for celebration. It's a reason to be enthusiastic about the work you're doing. And that's why kingdom workers are enthusiastic. We have to be excited about the work that God has called us to. Number five, this is the final characteristic. Kingdom workers are responsive. They're responsive. The disciples weren't perfect. You know, they had their ups and downs just like we do. But they were responsive to Jesus' leading in their life. The challenge to fish for people was not a one-time challenge. It was a daily challenge that they were to continually respond to. As we grow in our faith and in our understanding of the mission that God has called us to participate in, we'll have one opportunity after another to respond to what God has put in front of us. Responding to this challenge is a daily choice in the life of the Christian. So kingdom workers are responsive. Are you responsive to what God has put in front of you? Are you responsive to the call that he has on your life. I entitled my message, Kingdom Workers, because that's what God desires from his church. He wants men, women, and children who would prioritize kingdom work 
as they grow in their walk with Christ. God isn't looking for perfect people to carry forward his mission. He's looking for those who are available, teachable, faithful, enthusiastic, and responsive. That's all that God requires from any one of us. You don't have to be a pastor or a church leader. You just have to be available, teachable, faithful, enthusiastic, and responsive to God's call on your life. If you can do that with the Holy Spirit's help, God will develop you into the kingdom worker he's created you to be.